0: We open in darkness. But what do I mean when I say this? What image of darkness am I tasking you with conjuring in your mind? A darkened theater? A spooky closet? A moonless night? The bottom of the ball pit at Discovery Zone Kids in Evans, Georgia? Fair enough. Let's get specific. You know what? Maybe darkness isn't precisely the right word to use here. Maybe what I would actually like for you to hold in your minds, for now, is an absence. Not just an absence of light, though that is part of it. No, I want you to hold in your mind the absence of certainty. In a way, the truest kind of darkness there is. It is the darkness of total unknowing. The kind of darkness present before you were born, or at the dawn of time in the moments before the Big Bang. Or inside of Schrodinger's Notorious Box, where a single unfortunate or fortunate cat was or wasn't. Or what about this one? It is the darkness of deep sleep. Known as slow-wave sleep to scientists and people who tried to search for deep sleep on Wikipedia and weren't interested in the band or video game, this is the phase of sleep just before dreams occur. when our brainwaves are at their slowest and least interesting. Some believe it is during this phase of sleep that our brains sort through and process new memories, dutifully transforming the passing minutiae of our daily lives into future anxieties and intrusive thoughts. But what about the opposite of memory? In a moment, our somnolent indeterminacy wave will collapse as neurons begin to fire themselves to life and propel us out of darkness and into the twisted and askew light of REM sleep, the domain of Fickle Morpheus, the world of dreams. But these will be no ordinary dreams. For the darkness of the mind, the absence of consciousness we currently inhabit is not in fact our own, but that of one Penny White. And Penny's dreams are no ordinary dreams. Because like those of Great King Agamemnon, or Sam from Supernatural, Penny's dreams are prophetic dreams. Also, they tend to be real freaky-deaky nightmare kind of scenarios. And as Penny also happens to be a player character in a tabletop role-playing game, her fate will be determined not by anything as banal as Destiny, or as capricious as Quantum Indeterminacy, but by an honest, hard-working, good old-fashioned roll of the dice. Dice clutched in the hands of one Bess Lawson. Bess, roll plus weird.
1: Ooh, that is a miss.
0: Penny, darkness persists. Only now your consciousness is contained within it. As your senses begin to acclimate to your surroundings, you become aware that you are in fact floating, cast adrift in the void of space. There are stars here, but they are few in number sparse, cold, and distant, merely frail, sagging pinpricks in the vast, inky firmament which surrounds you. But this far corner of space in which you find yourself is not as empty as it first appears. You become aware, Penny, that although you feel no sense of acceleration, your body is tumbling inexorably towards a massive, ringed planet. As you rapidly approach this planet, the sheer scale of it nearly impossible to comprehend, you begin to hear something, faintly at first, but growing louder by the moment, until you feel like your brain is about to vibrate out of your skull as you are overwhelmed by a psychic cacophony of horrifying screams. As your momentum continues to hurl you towards this massive planet, its gargantuan rings begin to come into focus and resolve themselves to you. And the source of the sound now becomes horrifically clear. Penny, you see now that this planet's rings are composed not of rocks or space dust or chunks of ice, but of billions upon billions of human souls, each and every one of them wailing in agony. Despite the incomprehensible number of tormented spirits before you, you find your eyes drawn again and again to familiar faces, Rudd Fudrucker, Cliff Anger, Coach Sheehan, Noah Langley, Saber Muto, Violet Crankshaw. All of their faces twisted into grotesque masks of unimaginable suffering. And then, Penny, your attention is mercifully diverted by movement on the surface of the planet itself, which begins to bulge and contort as though about to erupt from pole to pole. You watch in awe as a series of ruptures form across the entirety of the planet's malignant crust. Each of these ruptures tearing itself open in turn and revealing a bulbous, sickening eye, every one of them the size of a continent. Penny, as you feel each and every one of these colossal eyes turn to focus on you, the screams emanating from the ring of damned souls reaches a crescendo in your mind and the surface of the planet peels open a final time to reveal an impossibly large mouth. Its vast interior, roiling in chaos, like twisted waves of light drawn into the singularity of a black hole. You watch as one by one and then all at once, the ring of souls is dragged screaming into the yawning abyss of the planet's mouth. And you feel pain, inside yourself, something deep and fundamental being torn asunder. And you watch, frozen in horror, as your own astral form is ripped away from your body and pulled helplessly into the void. And then just like that, the planet is gone. The souls are gone. Even the stars are gone. And you float, Penny. Cold and hollow and utterly alone in a featureless black hell. And then you wake up. Dangerous Times at Chilhaven High presents Ghost Story. We now resume our sightseeing tour through the Sandman's realm, flitting along the ebullient currents of Chilhaven's collective slumbering unconscious. We pass by the familiar and the banal, teeth falling out, Forgotten lines at the big performance, try to punch fist too slow, etc., before diving into the restless mind of a familiar, verdant antlered changeling.
2: We see Angela outside a darkened cottage in the woods. It is cold, dark, and rainy. Angela feels the cold raindrops hit her skin as they leave the sky. She started to feel nervous. Angela looks at the pine trees outside of Flo's home. She can smell the pine needles and the freshly watered soil on the ground. She looks at Flo's flowers in her yard until her eyes meet the salt circle that surrounded her home. Angela uses her foot to disrupt the salt circle and in a flash, she leaves her body and her ghost floats outside of it. In her new ghostly body, she flies straight through Flo's creaky wooden doors on the front of the house, past the roaring fire in the living room, past the shelves of unread leather-bound books, down the secret stairwell to the basement, and then she stopped. She is floating in Flo's basement above Penny, Zeke, Jeff, Dick, Heck, Sabre, Vesper, and Flo. The basement smells musty, but then quickly changes to smelling like something was lit on fire. We see a circle surround Flo that looks like somebody has burned it into the floor. The circle on the floor opens up. Flo's body is hovering in the air very still. Time seems to slow down. Angela starts to panic. She flies down to try to grab Flo's hand but can't. Her ghostly hand goes right through Flo's fingers. Then fire opens up beneath Flo's body. Time speeds up again and Flo's engulfed in flames. Angela screams for Flo, but nothing comes out of her mouth. Zeke, Penny, Jeff, Dick, Heck, Vesper, and Saber all turn to Angela and start to scream at her in unison. Angela starts to scream, and this time, she finally hears herself. That's when she wakes up in a cold sweat, panting. Angela wakes up in a room that's pitch dark except for the moonlight coming into the room. She looks around her and touches Saber and just says, Are you awake?
0: Uh, we see next to Angela in bed, floating a few inches above the covers, the desaturated, ghostly form, familiar to us as Saber Muto. And we hear her say, um, Oh, I'm still sleeping.
2: Do you think I'm a bad person?
0: Um, if you keep trying to wake me up, then yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Come on, be serious for, like, one second.
0: Uh, Sarah sits straight upright, bent at the middle like Bella Lugosi out of a casket, and she says, okay, Angie, what's going on?
2: I just, I had a dream about Flo again.
0: Oh, man, again?
2: I mean, yeah, it's been, like, multiple times a week, and, like, it's the same thing. I'm just in the room, and I'm seeing her get dragged to hell by, like, a thousand hands, and... I just like hear her screaming and then I wake up and you know, I I just, you know, I haven't told like Penny and Zeke that I'm like freaking out about this, but I mean, I felt like I, I, I had to do what I had to do, but I feel like, I feel awful. I feel like a horrible person.
0: Yeah, Angie, I mean, I get how like, you know, one of your closest friends getting dragged to hell by demons would be pretty traumatizing. Yeah. I think that's super normal. I mean, like, Penny and Zeke know you, they know you're not a like a fucking psychopath, they know that like obviously that's something that would sit with you but like I mean, come on man, you're not the one who dragged her to hell a bunch of demons did
2: yeah, but it was my fault it happened
0: I don't know Angie, look at me we're like 17 years old you know we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to be like trying to navigate fucking you know, Faustian contracts and stuff and like fighting big monsters or like being dead. Yeah. You know, like we should be just like skateboarding and going to parties and no. like having skateboard parties and <laughs> skateboarding
2: like, in the house.
0: Yeah. Skateboarding in the house, <laughs> you know, smoking weed, watching HGTV, like teen stuff, you know, Just teen <laughs> Angie, have you, um, since it happened, Have you been back?
2: I mean, I've thought about it. And I've thought about, like, asking Penny to come with me. And I've walked kind of, like, on the outskirts of the forest. And, like, I don't know. i thought about walking by, you know. But each time I'm there, I just, I can't do it. I don't know. I'm not ready.
0: Well, okay. I mean, yeah, if you're not ready, man, you're not ready. But, like... You know, don't you think it might give you, like, closure or whatever?
2: Yeah, I mean, it would probably be nice to just be back there, like, old times, and I don't know. Just try to think of Flo as, I don't know, how she was when she was alive and not probably being tortured in hell by a million demons, but...
0: I mean, I didn't know Flo as well as you did, but, like, knowing what I did about her, I feel like there's better than even chance she's just running the place now. (laughs)
2: That's true. Yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better.
0: That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's why people have dead girlfriends.
2: Exactly. All right. We well, put things
0: in perspective. Speaking of which, you haven't like, I mean, this is a stupid question. What? You haven't like seen her around lately, have you? Flow? Well, I mean, y'all did that Bigfoot concert and since then there's ghosts all over the fucking place maybe
2: that's why my dreams have been getting worse too maybe i'm worried about seeing her but
0: (laughs) yeah talk about awkward yeah (laughs) that's not like you know seeing your ex at the grocery store no it's a lot worse i was responsible for her death so again i'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that just a little bit (sighs) You got tricked by a demon, man. Like it happens to the best of us. You know? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, Leadbelly, John Travolta.
2: What? All right. Well, I don't know. Thanks for waking up and talking to me.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I don't. Re- I don't know. Really know if I would call what happens to me sleep anyway. It's not like I get, I, I. have calories to save or <laughs> something. I don't know. I just close my eyes and I stop having thoughts for a while. You don't dream. No, not since I died. Unless I've said in other episodes that I do, in which case.
2: <laughs> then I do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in which case I do. I mean, if I do, I don't remember them. It just feels like, woo, the calm of the grave. <laughs> or whatever.
2: All right. Well, can you just let me be the little spoon and can you cuddle into me until I fall asleep?
0: Yeah. Going to phase through you at all, or keep it strictly on the outside?
2: (laughs) Keep it strictly on the outside. All right. Can do. (laughs) Good night, Saber. I'm
0: just kidding. (laughs) The sound of Angela's laughter melts gently away as we fly out the window, Peter Pan style, and back into the cool night air carried aloft by the nightly tide of weird, sleepy brain hallucinations. That's right. Talking about dreams again here. We pause for a moment to consider an image of Jeff Lynn adorned in fine linens and lounging atop a palanquin carried by a harem of supple chupacabras, before popping into the bedroom across the hall to enter the mind of our final somnolent subject, a certain wild-haired teen boy currently sleeping atop his bedsheets in his sleeveless lab sleeping gown. Zeke. What do we find inside your weird little head?
3: We see the familiar inky blackness of the dreamscape give way to hues of orange, red, yellow, and brown. We quickly find ourselves in a desolate, worn out landscape All the ground is sand. The sky is bright orange with nasty, like, funky green-looking clouds. All the buildings are rusted out and got all their windows shattered. We're in a real, real Mad Max-type-looking place here, is the vibe. In the distance, we hear a hail of gunfire as our camera pans to the ground, showing it littered with all sorts of bones and skulls of different shapes and sizes. It settles on one skull, which is crushed underneath the foot of a giant, cool-looking combat boot. And our camera pans up to reveal the wearer of this combat boot, Zeke. Wearing said giant combat boots, leather pants, and a leather jacket with one sleeve and one really big spiky shoulder pad, He's still 16, but for some reason has a thick coat of 5 o'clock shadow and a stylish scar over one of his eyes. That's ridiculous. Stepping up from behind Zeke, just over his shoulder, we see a second figure. None other than Dick Spangler, the astronaut kid. Wearing a spacesuit, but not the cool retro spacesuit he normally wears. No, this one is metal and green and all plated like armor. But it still does have a big glass bubble helmet over his head, on top of which is his cowboy hat. Approaching Zeke and Dick in the distance is a massive wave of what were once human beings and what are now chalky-faced, open-sword, gibbering post-radiation mutants. And Zeke turns his head over to Dick and says, Looks like we got another big problem on our hands. Zeke and Dick, both from nowhere, pull out automatic machine guns and begin laying waste to the crowd of mutants advancing towards them. A hail of gunfire and manly screams from the both of them.
0: Uh, wait, hold on, let me do a dick manly scream. (laughs) How do you scream in a cowboy accent?
4: (laughs) I don't know. Oh, we're using that one.
3: (laughs) 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 Finally, the gunfire dies down. And with a pile of mutant corpses laid out in front of them, Zeke takes the cigar that has been in his mouth this whole time, out of his mouth, and turns to Dick. And he says, Well, we might be trapped in a nuclear wasteland, but at least I'm trapped with you. And he looks up through the glass bubble of Dick's armor, expecting to see the loving face of his boyfriend. But he instead sees Dick's face dried out, hollow, eyeless, scraps of flesh just hanging from bony remains that once belonged to him. Shocked, Zeke turns now to the pile of mutant corpses, now all also wearing identical armor to the one Dick was, all containing identical, hollowed out skeletons. Zeke drops to his knees in anguish and looks up at the sky as two impossibly large figures that we cannot quite make out loom over the horizon. Zeke,
0: as you contemplate this pile of boyfriend skeletons, you hear a familiar voice from your distant memory. Zeke, and you turn, Zeke, to face the horizon. Zeke, can you tell me what your mother looked like in your last memory of her?
3: We see a woman with shoulder-length, wavy, auburn hair wearing a button-up shirt tucked into a pair of mom jeans with a brown leather belt and brown loafers and a silver locket hanging around her neck. Zeke, still dressed like Mad Max and with five o'clock shadow, looks off into the distance, squints his eyes and says,
0: Mom? As you say that, Zeke, you see that your mother is holding a gun. And before you're able to react or even move, you watch her, seemingly in slow motion, as she levels her weapon at you and pulls the trigger. you are able to track the progress of the bullet spinning inexorably towards you, all the way up to the moment that it tears through your cool post-apocalyptic armor and pierces your chest. And then you snap awake in bed.
3: We see Zeke sitting upright in his bed, in his darkened bedroom alone. cans of Mountain Dew strewn all around his bedroom floor. And he says, Whoa. Who boy, that was a weird one. I wish I could do that thing where you just go back to the part of the dream that was cool and not the part of the dream that was scary. Man, I don't know if I'm ever going to (laughs) get...
1: We cut back to Penny sitting curled in a ball on her bed, eyes wide open, all three of them. It's completely dark. Her room is covered in clothes on the floor. She's got that one chair that you pile everything on. That chair is full, so everything now is strewn across the floor. It's completely dark inside, except for a little bit of light coming through the window, um, illuminating um, the lead singer of Radiohead, who is hanging right above her bed. We see Penny check the clock again, and it is now about 7. The sun has come up. Um, she has no desire to go back to sleep anytime soon, so Penny is going to get ready for the day we see her, like, lazily drag a brush through her hair. It's pretty, like, stringy, got some knots in it. She's looking not so hot. (laughs) But she does take the effort to put on her beanie to cover her third eye, um, throws on a pair of jeans, clean or not, t-shirt, jacket. Um, by the time her dad has come home, um, she's already drank an entire pot of coffee,
0: yeah, we see, um, just in the process of coming in the door, a sparkly blue-skinned man in a security guard uniform, who we know to be, one, Bart White. Bart is, uh, just hanging his security guard hat on the, uh, coat rack, uh, uh in front of y'all's front door, and he says, uh, oh, uh, hey, Penny, um, did, uh, did you leave me any coffee this
1: time? Oh, uh, no, sorry, Dad, I drank the whole pot this time.
0: Oh, that's okay, She should probably, uh. I should probably just go to sleep anyway. You know, I, I was up all night at work.
1: Yeah, and I slept th- the whole time.
0: Great, good. You didn't, uh, yep. Yeah, I wasn't here. I was I was at work all night.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Oh, down at the old uh, zoo mines.
1: Yeah, Dad, I know where you work. You've been there a while now.
0: Yep, still
1: there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go to school. Oh, good. Um, I'll see you later.
0: Uh yes. Uh it's, as soon as you're off school, I will I will still be here having not yet left for for work.
1: Right, where you go every day, same time, mm-hmm. same place? Yep. All right.
0: Uh yep, nothing nothing new to report there.
1: Okay. Uh well, I dad. Yep. We we see Penny just shut the door.
0: <laughs> Get straight.
1: Okay. Uh, we see Penny shut the door, shake off that awkward conversation, um, and make a right, head to school, walking on the sidewalk.
0: And we cut to a wide shot of Penny White, bedraggled and in beanied, scuffling her way through scenic residential Chillhaven. Beyond the eclectic rows of cozy craftsmen and beguiling box Victorians that line this neighborhood street, we can hear the sounds of heavy industry as a combination of Indigo Labs goons and Chillhaven City employees both currently under the authority of Indigo Lab's CEO and unelected city emergency manager Meredith Indigo, continue their ongoing effort to cut back the SCAR, the long, jagged stretch of primordial forest that arose along the debris path of the Prospect Quandary spaceship as it returned disastrously to Earth. Penny, you've hardly made it out of your neighborhood before you hear a familiar voice from over your shoulder. That of your formerly alive, former best friend, now dead ghost and acquaintance at best, Violet Crankshaw.
4: Mm.
1: Hey Penny, hold up. Mm, I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that. Penny keeps walking. But Penny,
0: can you hear me? You can hear you can hear ghosts, right? I know that because I, I haunted you for a long time.
1: Oh, Violet. Hey, girl. Hi. Uh,
0: listen. First of all, how you doing? You look great. Mm
1: -mm. I'm fine. Tired. Just heading to school, huh? Yep, every day. Yeah, me
0: too. Anyway, um, listen, my ectoplasm. Oh, it's getting really, like, kind of crusty. Do you think we could schedule, like, a little, you know, a little glow-up sometime this week?
1: Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um... Do you just wanna meet up with me and my friends after school one day? Yeah, today, great. Oh, <laughs> okay.
0: I just, you know, Vesper and I have a date coming up tomorrow and I don't wanna be like like, flaking off ectoplasm all over the table
1: again. Again? I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, today after school, um, I'm probably just gonna go to Angela's, so I'm sure
4: she would love to see you too. Okay, great, thanks so much. I'll see you after school, bye. Great.
1: Penny lets out a heavy, heavy sigh and continues the trek to
4: school. Oh, hey, Penny, hold up there! Uh, and what? Uh,
0: <laughs> we see over Penny's shoulder the ghostly form uh, of a large man wearing a security guard uniform, almost identical to the one we just saw adorning the blue frame of Bart White. Only this one, we can see. Th- through it. And we hear the voice of, who is, of course, the late Grud Fuddrucker saying, uh, oh hey uh, Penny, sorry to bother you, I know you're headed to school uh, learning is so important. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've already done so much for me what, with the, uh, you know, y'all, you and your friends helping to get the gift shop named after me and, um.
1: Yeah, it was no problem.
0: You know, uh, I was just wondering if that ectoplasm that you gave me last week was so great, if you could just like if I, It's starting to kind of, you know, it's freaking people out at the zoo if I don't, you know, if they can't see me. and
1: You just hanging out at the zoo again? Well, Do you know my dad? Do, uh, He's blue. Is your
0: dad a hippo?
1: No. Oh, like a guy? Ye- yeah. Yeah, the blue
0: guy works at the zoo now.
1: Yeah. Why did you go to a hippo for... It doesn't matter. <laughs> um.
0: Just a little zoo joke.
1: Uh... You you really need it? You need it, like, this week?
0: I mean, if you could, like, whenever you can squeeze me in, you know. Or if you could point me in the direction of, like, a faucet or applique.
1: Um, I'll just, I'll do it. Uh, God, Angela's going to kill me. Um If you just want to come to meet me after school, it seems like we're having a big ectoplasm party. Oh, great.
0: Perfect. I'll, uh, b- uh bring, um,
1: uh... You really don't have to bring anything.
0: Well, I don't have a kitchen or anything since, you know, my wife's new boyfriend doesn't like me around the house, so, um,
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll bring you something from the gift shop. Okay. That's so nice of you. And I will see you then.
0: All right, great. Thank you so much, Penny. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, everyone does. Penny again continues her trek to school.
0: Uh, yeah. And- Penny, you can see the school now on the horizon. We we see the the top of the school just coming over the hill that you're walking towards. uh, As we then hear another ghostly voice saying, um,
4: Whoa, hey there, Penny, hold up. Mm -hmm.
1: Penny looks and turns behind her. Sorry to intrude.
0: And uh, we see now a a fire-singed ghostly figure in... A full-body jumpsuit with a large number three on the front of it, and we hear him say, "Oh, hey, hey, Penny, there, it's me, it's me, it's me, Dale Earnhardt." Uh, What? What? I'm just hoping if uh, you know that. uh, No!
1: I'm not doing this. I gotta go to school. Okay.
0: All right. Sorry. That's fine. I'll just head back to the track.
1: Yeah. I go to school. is <laughs> so frustrated. Her eyes are watering. She just starts running towards the school.
0: And we cut to the exterior of the one, the only, the positively titular Chillhaven High, home of the fighting teens. Go teens. Uh, and speaking of teens, Penny, as you approach the school grounds, you see a gaggle of them, teens that is, Crowded near the main entrance, talking in hushed, excited tones. And just past them, you can see that the door to the school has been chained and padlocked shut.
1: Penny is going to take a deep breath and walk over to where the group, the students are huddled over and try to, like, stick her head in, peek through, see what's going on.
0: Yeah, you see, uh, you see a few faces um, huddled here that you don't recognize. Uh but you do see one face and hear the loud voice of someone who you do. Uh, as Carlos Espinoza says,
1: hey Penny. Hi Carlos, do you know what's going on? Welcome to school. Thank you. Um, why are you yelling?
0: Oh, I don't know, this is just kind of how I talk. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've been around for a while, but uh,
1: that's my vibe. I know, buddy. Um, so <laughs> why, what's, why is this blocked off? Like what? what's happening? Oh yeah, school's closed today. What, why? I
0: don't know. We were just kind of trying to figure it out. Somebody said something about a... Jerry, you said a gas leak? Yeah, my dad said it was a gas
1: leak. (laughs) Okay, but no one from the school, like, contacted any of us, so that's suspicious, right? I don't know. Okay, you really didn't put any thought into it after that?
0: I was, uh, just kind of, you know, it's like free day.
1: It is free day. Sorry, Carlos, I'm a little, um, irritable today. That's okay! Yeah, you're making up (laughs) for it, aren't you? Um... Okay, well, I'm just going to go ask around a few other people to see if they know anything. Thank you for your help. And Penny is going to walk around to see if there are any, like, teachers or anyone who looks like they know more than Carlos. (laughs) Yeah. Anybody.
0: (laughs) Penny, as you move away from the group of Carlos and Jerry and those other kids, you make your way around the side of the school, back near the teacher's parking lot where the basketball courts are to try and see some teachers or school administrators or, you know, somebody with some frickin' answers here. As you make your way into the teacher's parking lot, Penny, you're able to see some shadowy forms inside the window to the cafeteria. As you move closer, these forms resolve themselves into the shape of Principal Utney, Mr. Johnson, the theater teacher, (laughs) and Coach Kale. You can see uh, you can see, Penny, that they are having a hushed and intense conversation, but from your position outside of the building, you can't hear what they're saying. Okay. Not with your ears.
1: So, we see Penny concentrate so she can reach out with telepathy to read the mind of those sneaky teachers.
0: Yeah, Penny, using your patented and well-practiced telepathic powers, you send your psychic consciousness inside through the glass into the building where you can psychically hear the conversation that is occurring. Well, I just don't think it's safe for the kids to be in here right now. I mean, like, I don't know if there's a foundation issue that's slanting the building or something. Uh, Or, I mean, could be like an earthquake. Uh, An earthquake? We're not even on a fault line here. uh, Well, uh, then how do you explain all of the doors and cupboards uh, opening and closing themselves all freaking morning? Um, Okay, well, thank you, Mr. Kale. Uh, I don't think there was an earthquake. Obviously, it's not currently safe to let kids in. Uh, There's clearly an electrical issue as well because the lights in my office as well as all of the other classrooms have been flicking themselves on and off all day long. Just, we put out the email to the parents saying it was a gas leak. We can just stick with that now while we get some professionals in here to help.
1: So we see Penny take a step away back from the window, pull out her phone to one, check to see if her dad bothered to let her know that school was freaking closed, cause that was his job. Penny sees no text message, no call from dad, so she's just gonna let that one go?
0: We cut to <laughs> Art White in bed.
1: <laughs> and we cut back. And then Penny is going to also send a group text to Angela, Zeke, Heck. Am I missing anybody? That's probably good for now. Just to say, um, shit's going down at school. Have you heard? Question mark. Send.
3: We cut to a phone screen, illuminated but covered by a thick patch of denim as the light shines through the pocket of the pants of one Zeke Lynn. The camera pulls back from the phone, which has gone completely unnoticed by Zeke, as he is currently standing on his hoverboard, zooming on his way to school. In his trademark fringed sleeveless lab coat, his black band t-shirt and denim pants and tennis shoes. The wind rips through Zeke's unkempt, unstyled black hair as he zooms down the road towards Chillhaven High. Arriving to find a crowd of people just standing about on the front lawn of the school when they absolutely should be inside the building. Uh, and Zeke hops off his hoverboard and says, What? What the? Oh! what? Carlos! Hi, Zeke! Hi! You came back to school! I did! I picked w- the wrong day for that! <laughs> thank you, thank you!
0: Carlos high-fives Jerry. Jerry? What?
1: Zeke! Come here! What? Uh, what do you mean what? I told you what, come here.
3: Okay, Zeke just moves through the crowd, no one is paying attention to him, but he's like pulling his collar up to hide his face as he goes around behind the school to meet Penny. Why are you hiding your face? What, I, Cause, I don't know, I assume you snuck back here.
1: Well, yeah, but we go to school here, so. I was sneaking. Okay. Yeah, we're being
3: sneaky,
0: okay. says Carlos, who followed Zeke here. What?
1: Hi, Carlos.
0: Carlos. Yeah,
3: I snuck good. You yeah. did sneak good, good job. Until you screamed. Until you screamed. <laughs> This is just how I talk.
1: So I listened in to some conversations from the teachers coming from inside and they are telling everyone that it's like a gas leak, but like the lights are flickering and the doors just keep slamming.
3: Yeah, that sounds like it sounds like ghost stuff. I mean I've I mean, it sounds like movie ghost stuff. I don't but I've never seen like Sabre do that. Just flicker lights and slam doors. Well but saber's a cool ghost. That's true. That's true. Uh, you 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 want to go into the school?
1: Well, I'm just a little strung out on coffee right now because I didn't get that much rest, and ghosts keep talking to me. So I guess like bring on more ghosts, right? <laughs>
3: bring them on. Okay, Zeke just like pats Penny on the shoulder.
1: He's like panting.
4: <laughs> <Hey>.
3: <laughs> yeah, we can we can get into the school. Come on, let's go around front. Okay, we all look at Carlos.
1: <laughs> you coming or what? Yeah. Okay. Okay, but we got to use our inside voices.
0: Okay. And um I can't see ghosts. Right. Uh I can't see ghosts either.
1: Penny points to herself <laughs> a bunch.
0: Okay, you're the ghost radar. Okay, so we'll follow Penny. Yep. And Zeke, we're not supposed to yell. Right. So just we're gonna be quiet. <laughs> yeah. And I'll let you know, Penny, mm-hmm. if um I get possessed or
1: yeah, please do. Please. you know if
0: I like look into if I like look into a mirror in the bathroom, yeah and it's like my face, but then the face is like looking at me and then it peels off. So if that happens, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> Sounds like we got a plan, I don't know.
0: or Are if like we? the TV's static
1: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's like a ghost stuff. Yeah,
0: ghost stuff. Yeah. Y'all deal with ghosts all the time. You're looking at me like I'm stupid. This is
1: classic ghost stuff. It's classic. It's
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. We deal with it every day.
1: Yep. You feel like
0: you're handling me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go. All right. <laughs> uh, we see Penny peer into the cafeteria again to see if the teachers have left that area or if they are still there. Yeah, Penny, uh,
0: you you look and uh, you see that the, the three teachers are still there, uh, still conversing
3: in hushed tones.
1: Okay. Penny whips her head around and says, they're still in there, so we got to pick a different entrance.
3: Yeah, let's go in the front.
1: Oh. Just in the front? Yep. Where everyone can see?
3: Yep. Leave Why? it to me. I got this.
1: Okay. Yep. First day back at school. Yeah.
3: Zeke walks back around to the front of the school, walks up the front stairs to the front door, uh, and jiggles it with the chain and lock still on it, and says, um, what what did, oh, jeez, oh, oh, the door's locked. Hey. Hey, everybody! Yeah,
0: we cut uh, Zeke to just behind you, over your shoulder, as we see the 10 or so kids milling about on the sidewalk uh, all slowly turn to incredulously face you.
3: Hey, everyone, listen. Uh, Good to see you all again. It's me, Zeke. I know I've been away for a minute, but um, listen, I'm back because uh, as, as you can all tell, there's weird stuff going on inside the school. And we don't care. The teachers...
2: We don't have to be at school today. Yay! Yay!
3: <laughs> and the teachers have asked me personally to, uh, to be a consultant and, figu- and figure out what, what's go- what weird stuff's going on in there. Um, uh, but somebody locked the door. Oh, it's, it's... About half the kids are already walking away. <laughs> but somebody locked the door good thing they gave me a key and Zeke is going to pantomime like he has a key for the lock and then just try to yank the lock straight off the chain. Yeah, we hear one
0: last kid say, okay, good luck, bud. Uh, And we see that they are all now gone. Uh, We see their backs in the distance as they all presumably walk home to have a terrific day off.
1: (laughs) Good job getting rid of them.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to do. Um, <clears throat> Penny, you want to, uh, you want to just snap this lock off with your brain? I'll give it a go. Okay. Okay, Carlos, Zeke, you
1: ready to go in? I'm always ready. Carlos?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you were <laughs> practicing oh, your voice. Yeah, I said uh, that. I'm, re- I, <clears throat> I, am yeah, I'm, yes, I'm ready. Good
1: job. You know, I kind of missed your energy, Carlos. Thanks so much. Yeah. Carlos.
3: Oh yep 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 yep. Sorry, I was my quiet. Thought. Sneaking. Sneaky. We're gonna we're gonna watch each other's. We're gonna hold each other accountable on this one, okay? Uh yep 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 yep. Yep.
1: Penny um uh then reaches for the door to open it and head inside.
0: As the front door of the school closes behind them, we cut to the interior of Chill Haven High. The halls are strangely darkened. Strange because normally when y'all come to school. The lights are on. Rows of lockers loom eerily ahead of you, and you can hear the hushed conversation of the principal and the two teachers in the cafeteria not far away. However, for now, the coast is clear.
1: Okay, I still hear them, so we gotta be quiet. But let's just pick a room, take a look around.
3: We should head to the biology lab. It's full of death. Okay. Well, Violet died there. Coach Sheehan died there. Yeah,
0: I get it, I get it. Oh... I have seen Violet's ghost. Mystery to yeah, us. did see
3: Violet's ghost at the dance. Yeah, and she's been coming to class and stuff.
1: Penny has walked away and she's going to the bio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come in.
0: And we cut to the darkened interior of the Chillhaven High biology lab. Light trickling in from the open doorway as Penny, Zeke, and Carlos carefully creep inside. It feels darker in here than it should, given the time of day. And it also feels much, much colder than the rest of the school. We see again the familiar large, heavy desks, each equipped with beakers and Bunsen burners. We see an empty chalkboard along one wall and floor-to-ceiling cabinets along another, presumably filled with shelf after shelf of outdated public school science supplies. The air is still and silent, and bristling with menace. Penny, do you see anything?
1: Not so far, but I feel bad in here.
0: Carlos says, look. What? Down there. What? And he points in the far back corner of the room where you see one of these cupboard doors slowly swing open.
3: Mm, It could be the wind.
0: Zeke, you see nothing. Penny, you see hopping out of the cupboard, the ghost of a small frog.
1: Oh, it's a frog. What?
4: Yeah. Frog ghost?
1: Yeah. Aw. Hi, little guy. And Penny just (laughs) slowly creeps towards the frog and kind of lowers herself to the ground.
0: The frog continues hopping, uh, irrespective of your presence, and you feel a chill, Penny, as this spectral frog hops right through your dang noggin.
4: Oh,
1: do you see that? No, you didn't see that. (laughs) Hopped right through me. Okay, Um, so... Well, I think the frog's pretty harmless.
3: Yeah, I mean, we should still maybe get him out of here. Uh, Just for his safety, I don't know. Live frog, dead frog, frog go outside.
1: You want to open the window?
3: Uh, yeah. You want to release this frog? Can you like guide him
1: at all? Um and try to talk to him?
3: Okay. And
1: he's going to reach out telepathically <laughs> to talk to this little baby frog? Uh okay, great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, is this I don't think this is even a role, right?
3: You're uh... I'm not.
1: <laughs> no, I don't
3: I don't think you, just, you can just talk to folks. Yeah, I'm not, like, invest, I guess. With yeah. telepathy. It's,
1: I mean, manipulate someone, I guess.
0: Now, here's a question. <laughs> <laughs> I did have Flo say in Phantasmagoria that all dead things speak the same language regardless of species. Shut uh,
4: up.
3: But she was also lying.
4: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but a lot of the things Flo lies about end up being true. Um, Penny, you reach out
0: telepathically to this spectral amphibian and open your mind to whatever thoughts it may contain. And you hear reverberating in your mind in that familiar echoey astral
1: voice. We see... Penny, uh, look away from the frog for a minute and turn to Zeke and Carlos and say, um, It's just a normal frog, <laughs> um, but I'll open the window and see if he wants to go out.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> we cut to a tight close up of your hands, Penny, as we see the spectral amphibian hop tentatively into your grasp. And our camera begins to pull slowly out as you rise to your feet and turn to head to the window. But as soon as you turn, Penny, you suddenly find yourself face to face with a grim, translucent specter of death. The ghost of a large, bald, middle-aged man whose dead, hollow eyes meet yours as his mouth drops open to emit a horrifying spectral scream.
4: Really hitting us with a am right at the end there. If I had known, they'd be killed alright. Ha. Nothing helps me come down from a good scare like reading some end credits. So here we go. Angela Atticus Jr. is played by Megan Stressman. Penny White is played by Bess Lawson. Zeke Lynn is played by James Kedlar. James is also the composer for all the podcast's original music. Every other character, human or otherwise, is played by Philip Stressman. Philip is also the podcast's producer and game master. Additional sound effects provided by zapsplat.com. Monster of the Week game created by Michael Sands. Okay, until next time, beautiful humans.